this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. We are a proud member of the 143 Podcast Network. The Cheers to Comics podcast is proudly affiliated with NSCLiveTV.com. That's No Signal Comics. NSCLiveTV.com. Find the Cheers to Comics podcast on channel 34 of NSCLiveTV.com. No Signal Comics. The best in auction action. Welcome back to the Cheers to Comics podcast. I am your host, Brian Wayne, and this is episode 71. On this episode, I'll be raising my glass to the books that were released on the 11th of March, 2020. And I'll be talking about other things relevant to the world of comic books in that week as well. So, full disclosure, this is a spoiler-based podcast. It's overviews, not reviews. Uh, try to leave my emotions out of it. Well, not my emotions, my opinions. Um, this is me letting you know what's going on in the world of books, giving new readers potential jumping on points and what have you. So, um, if you're not into, you know, if you're not ready for certain books to be spoiled, thankfully for you, I take the time to leave time stamps for each individual individual book in the uh, description notes there. So. Uh, use those accordingly if you feel the need to. Beyond all that, uh, I know, you know it's a comic book podcast, but uh, it may not necessarily be self safe for those with sensitive ears or sensitive ear children or whatever. Because, so, you know, I get super f- excited about all this, and sometimes I can't not say F-words. So, there you go. Oh, so much to talk about this week. So many books to talk about, but first let's uh let's let's talk about some news. Just a bit of news here. Uh honestly, I didn't go digging too deep in the news. Really the the news is low hanging fruit, but I'm not even gonna I'm not gonna bring that up on this podcast. The obvious uh looming whatever that's going on in this world. So and that's as much as I'm going to bring it up there. But I do got something else. Unfortunately, in the world of news, it's just it's just all nothing but bad news this week. It sucks. Uh, on Monday, we lost Alan Bellman. Alan Bellman, the beloved Captain America artist, the last Captain America artist from the World War II era, has died at the the ripe age of 95. So, he lived a long life. He was... Uh, very beloved. Um, I know uh, a few people that are close to me in my circle are just torn to pieces about this one. This sucks, man. Anytime a comic creator goes down, it's it's never it's never a fun thing to talk about. It's it's always a downer. Um, and and you know, kind of why when I do talk about this type of stuff, I like to start out with it. 
And then that way we could just, you know, when we're talking comics, it's just going to bring it up from here. But I do got to I do got to pay tribute to the great Alan Bellman, age 95, a Captain America icon. Man. Uh, cheers to you, sir. Um it's uh let's just there's no easy way to transition out of shit shitty news like that. So Let's just carry on to the next segment. Unfortunately, that's all I've got for news. That's, that's all i found to talk about. Uh, next segment, I like to call Speculation Lottery. Uh, the the point behind this here segment, which is fairly new at this point, um, it's, it's me pointing out a book or several books or however many books that may have come out on this the weekend discussion and uh, that, may, that may potentially gain... Uh, you know, some financial heat in the future, or already possibly, who knows, but, uh, you know, what, what that reason is can vary, but once again, it's all speculation, nothing here is a guarantee, if you, if you take my word to heart, I'm humbled, but at the same time, uh, you're, you're, mm, yeah, this is me just kind of throwing it out there, not saying, I, I, every once in a while, I'll say, yeah, no, this is a bye, 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 for sure moment, but, for the most part, mm, who fucking knows? It's comics, huh? And honestly, out of the stack that I picked up, I, I, I get the feeling that there's more out there as far as a uh, potential, uh, you know, eBay baby, I don't know, whatever. But uh, there's really only one in my stack that I found that could potentially gain some ground here, and it is in the Star Wars universe. I did pick up that Star Wars Bounty Hunters, and there is a first appearance of a character by the name of uh, Nakano Lash. And, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll see how far this character goes. I don't know, but I'm, uh, I, I, but just based off of how good that first issue was, I would say that whatever's going on in there is going to be sticking around. Who knows, though? What do I know? But, you know, like I said, this is another short segment this week. Um, yeah, not, not, not too much to get excited for as far as, you know, things that could, you know, potentially gain a lot of, gain a lot of steam financially but you know that's that's not why i do this podcast it's not you know oh, i gotta make a bunch of money out of it that's just a, another aspect of comic books is collecting and uh yeah personally when i chase these books it's really just to obtain the history and have the history i don't go buy stacks of anything and most i'll get two of something every great once in a while and that's to use as a giveaway to y'all listeners so i don't know um i don't condone new book uh hoarding I just don't, you know, you can hoard, hoard back issues all you want, just not new books, that doesn't, just doesn't suit well for, uh, for comic book shops, so I do just have to give that, that little, uh, PSA in there, in case you weren't aware. So, that's, uh, that's fucking speculation lottery, man. Huh? Uh, well, what, um, lacks in the first two segments in length is greatly made up for in the meat of this show, and that would be the overviews. Oh boy, were there some books to talk about this week. But before I get into all of that, I gotta give a shout out to my beloved sponsors. These sponsors are really, really helping this podcast grow, and I'm more than excited to, to do these little ad reads they have here so uh these these it's all about the comic books baby i got a couple of really great distributors here auctions of the sort 
uh, all from the great and powerful and beloved NSCLiveTV.com. So, thank you for bringing me these awesome, awesome comic book shops that, yeah, um, give us the opportunity to get their stuff from all around the world. Uh, at least the United States at the very least, depending on who they is. Let's start out with Hooked on Comics. Hooked on Comics has been around for... Whew, they've been with the podcast for, well, uh, they were the first actual real big sponsor, I guess. So, boom, Hooked on Comics. So, this is John and Mary. They're coming to you from the East Coast on Tuesdays and Saturdays. Tuesdays at 6, Saturdays at 7 o'clock. And what do you tune into them for? Well, first off, you tune in to see what goofy fucking hat John's wearing. Uh, that's, it, it, yeah, it's, it's never... <laughs> It's it, yeah. Uh, just trust me. You're gonna want to see. It's always different, but they've always got this freaking huge, enormous wall of slabs, and then they've got the bin room. Air quotes and the fingers through the microphone, and then of course it's all about the auction action. So, uh, yeah. Once again, those Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern and Saturdays at 7 p.m. still Eastern. And, uh, yeah, you could tune into them where? Well, NSCLiveTV.com channel 12. You could find them on Facebook, or you could join the Cheers to Comics Facebook group where I um, share out all of those those live feeds as well. So, boom, get in on it if you're into it. And I know you are because this is a comic book podcast. Um, also, another great sponsor, uh, a recent sponsor actually, but still from the NSCLiveTV.com family. We're coming, uh, it's, our, it's our neighbors to the north, eh? Uh, that, that sounded more like East LA, sorry. Uh, that was terrible Canadian accent. <laughs> My bad. Uh, con- uh, uh, Comet Kingdom of Canada, man. Oh man, condom king. Ugh, said it again. Comic Kingdom of Canada. Uh, <laughs> now, right off the bat, I'm thinking. I know what you're thinking. If you're in the the United States, which the majority of my listeners are, you're thinking, oh, I don't want to deal with international shipping. Here's the dealio. Not only do you not have to deal with internet uh, international shipping because they have a U- United States drop spot where they ship from. So, uh, but you also get to deal with the uh, U.S. dollar to Canadian dollar conversion rate because the auctions are done in Canadian, and you know the the great and powerful dollar. So it's just it's even cheaper when you go to check out and and American money. So keep all of that in mind. Now, when, how, who? So once again, it's Comic Kingdom of Canada. And uh, their sales are Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, all at 4.30 p.m., but they're on the Pacific Coast. And you can catch them at condom... God damn it. ComicKingdomOfCanada.com. You know, you get all types of great special offers there on their direct website, but as always, you find their auctions on NSCLiveTV.com, the Cheers to Comics podcast Facebook group, as well as the... Comic Kingdom of Canada. I'm just going to start saying CKC from now on because I'm apparently struggling with that, 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 uh, yeah, <laughs> that analogy there. So, uh, there you go. Another awesome, awesome fucking sponsor brought to you from NSCLiveTV.com, our neighbor to the north, CKC, Comic Kingdom of Canada. And, uh, yeah. Now, let's, let's talk comics 
bear with me, slurs. There is a lot to talk about this week, but that's that's not a bad thing by any means. And plus, I'm sure you've guys got a few extra extra minutes to kill this week. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> all right. Only one DC book to overview on my end this week, and it's Superman. Superman number twenty one. So essentially, what's going on in Superman this week? Uh, huh. Um, well, Superman is explaining to Mongol how he saved his life. And by saving his life, what he means by that is, you know, he could just let the, uh, the United Planets, you know, fuck him up. Because, yeah, the United Planets were coming. You know, turns out this is all part of Mongol's plan to begin with. He was going to cause a disruption and, um, you know, get the United Planets involved and then realize that, uh, maybe... You know they don't get all they don't all get along, and once they all see each other and be in the same spot, they'd start fucking each other up, and then Superman would have to witness that, and then yeah, so that's yeah. But well, uh, well the, the the United Planets are fucking shit up. Mongol takes off, says peace, bitch, enjoy all of this chaos. Justice League shows up, tries to help you know calm down the whole uh, United Planet tussle. And Superman is sent away. The Justice League says, "Look, you got better shit to do. Go see what's up with your uh, with your woman." Well, meanwhile, Lois is still getting harassed by these fucking reporters in this you know ambush type of style. And you know they just keep going on about how come that Superman think that he is the king of Earth? We never said that he was the king of the Earth. Well. Um, yeah, Lois isn't, you know, she's like, he didn't fucking say it either, stupid. So, that's what's going on there, uh, still, still with that. Um, oh yeah, and then, uh, Mongol approaches Earth and Superman's kind of scared. So that's, uh, Superman number 21. <laughs> uh, you know, this whole Mongol arc, ever since, god damn it, ever since Superman revealed himself, kind of taken a... Um, a halt for me. This is the only Superman title I read. And, um, uh, this one, I don't know, it's, we gotta get past this Mongol thing. We gotta get past this, how come Superman thinks that he's the king of us? Type of fucking whatever. We get it, Bendis. We get it. Daily Planet thinks he's a cheetah. He's a cheetah. And he is. Superman isn't pure, he's a fuckhead. Boom, said it. Uh, Immortal Hulk. That's all I got for DC. Let's talk Marvel. We got Immortal Hulk. Immortal Hulk number 32, to be exact. Oh, uh, let's see here. Oh, Al Ewing, Joe Bennett, Paul Mounts, and uh, Alex Ross did the cover again. Shoo. All right, Zemu. Zemu. Uh, Zenmu, sorry. I don't know. That motherfucker, he's manipulating the TV audience. Uh, he was a, uh, air quote, via podcast, uh, Magic Planet TV star. Or a TV, uh, he was a TV star from a show called Magic Planet. And because of that, he has a following. And, you know, he's somehow, he's got this device that's manipulating the, the, the TV audience, make them believe that he's Hulk, but a good Hulk. And the Hulk that we all think we know, he's a little cuckold. Well, at least that's what he's making everybody believe. And everybody, for that matter. Uh, meanwhile, Samson, he's, he's explaining the Mandela effect. 
uh, to, ah, uh, shit, I forget her name, but one of the other science ladies. So, and what he's essentially saying is the, uh, the, the, the explanation of the Ma or Mandela effect is having to do with this whole Zemu Magic Planet thing. Magic Planet is a TV show that never existed, but we've been brainwashed and programmed by the masses to believe that, yeah, no, I remember that show, I remember that character, Zemu, he's a cool motherfucker. Uh, he's definitely the Hulk, for sure. I, I remember that without a doubt. And that big green bastard, he's a son of a bitch. Uh, well, yeah, essentially, that's what Samson's saying. This is all product of the Mandela effect. Now, I have, uh, <laughs> so I gotta say that I was, I was really grabbed by this, because I am a Mandela effect freak. Uh, I'm, uh, <laughs> I love me some Mandela effect conspiracies. Uh, some of them, eh, no, it's probably fucking exactly what, you know, old Samson says. It's all just, yeah, no, we, we misremember things, and we're not smart enough to, yeah, determine but on the other hand there's some shit there's some shit out here that's for sure anyway whatever i've, I've uh <laughs> ramble on all right so meanwhile banner banner what's how's he dealing with all this well uh his memories seem to have been rewritten as well he's been mandela affected but the thing is is he doesn't recognize himself as bruce banner he's like why the fuck you call me bruce that's my middle name motherfucker it's robert Call me Robert Bruce Banner, or just Robert. I don't, you don't have to say all three names. So, that's scary, right? We don't know what the fuck's going on there. Is he going to be super bad? He seems kind of super bad. Seems super bad, but on the other hand, Hulk be all up in his head, and he's trapped. He's trapped in his own brain for whatever reason. I don't know. I don't know. I'm fucking... I've, I'm confused at usually about 62% of what's going on in the Mortal Hulk. I just admire the whole factor, the horror factor... And sometimes I understand things that seem smart, so I admire that. <laughs> Other than that, I usually feel pretty stupid as to what's going on in this book. I'm not gonna lie, but it's super popular, so I talk about it, or at least the the touching points that I know how to talk about. Uh, so what's going on in old Hulk head? Well, there's this uh, meaner, scarier, more uh, world breakery version of the Hulk that is confronting himself. So, ooh, what are we going to get? I don't know, but I'm f fucking intrigued by it. Let's keep this baby rolling. Hawkeye. Hawkeye Freefall number four. Matthew Rosenberg and Otto Schmidt and covered by Kim Jacinto and Tamara Bonvalon. Bonvalon? I don't know. So, what's going on in Hawkeye? Well, Daredevil. Daredevil's going on in Hawkeye. He catches Clint. Says, look here, motherfucker. Uh, I know what's up. Well, I, I don't... Part of me thinks that he doesn't, though. Uh, <laughs> I was a little confused in this issue. I'm not going to lie. I'm sure if I just went through and took the 14-second effort to flip back to the first initial page and then go back to where I got confused, it'd all be cleared up. But at the same time, yeah, I just went with it. I had a big stack of books to read, so I just... Yeah, I have faith in Roseburg. I'm sure he didn't leave me any holes. So... The Hood. The Hood, he's after Ronan. Doesn't like him. Doesn't like him, and he's leaving a whole lot of motherfuckers dead in his uh, in his way to get to him. Well, Daredevil's explaining that to, uh, to Clint. And says, yeah, you see what's going on here? You see, we gotta stop Ronan. And that's kind of where I got a little, uh, a little 
confused. He just said he called him out, but I don't know. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure someone out there's going, what the fuck, Brian? How did you just pay a little bit more attention and you would have figured it out? I get it. I, yeah, I don't deny, I don't doubt that for one second. That's why I'm not talking shit. So, uh, yeah, meanwhile, Hawkeye, he's he's got to meet up with some with some fellows. We've got Night Thrasher, that that A-lister, uh, Bucky and Falcon. Well, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, he's gathering this little team. He's got this cool plan, and actually this plan is, is pretty fucking neato. He goes down into a subway. After he's got his first little trio, says, okay, you guys stand by. Uh, I'm, I got other shit to do. So he goes and he, he recruits a scroll from down in the subway. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, joined up by, um, well, you know, if, uh, Bucky and Falcon. Apparently Night Thrasher takes the fuck off. But Mockingbird and U.S. Agent join up. And then um, Daredevil's all up in there, too. And Clint. And, yeah, so they're forming this task force to catch Ronan. <laughs> so, Clint's plan, it involves a scroll. He's going to do a little face swapping, and yeah, he's going to have the scroll play himself, and Clint's going to go out and play Ronin. Initially, his plan was all right, scroll, you're going to be Ronin, and then yeah, I'm going to be able to continue to do this thing. And um, yeah, and he just fucking, Clint has a little change of heart, and he switches the old woo. Oh man, well, guess who gets caught again? Clint, obviously. But guess who he gets caught by? The Spiderman. Yep, old Spidey. You know, Matthew Rosenberg said this book was going to be loaded with cameos. And fuck, just this issue alone was loaded. But, oh, I'm ready to see some Spider-Man Hawkeye action. I would love... Look, yeah. Rosenberg to write Spider-Man. So I didn't mean to yawn there. Super early in the morning. <laughs> and, uh... I got a lot of shit to do, and this episode is a few minutes late, so whoop they doodles Uh, yeah, here we go, continuing on, I fucking loved Freefall, man, I love Freefall, and uh, I know I kind of just diverted away from that thought, Rosenberg deserves a, um, fucking Spider-Man title, I said it, Rosenberg deserves a Spider-Man title, keep it going, uh, do-do-do-do, let's, uh, let's talk X-Men, Let's talk some mutants. X-Men number 8. Jonathan Hickman, Muhammad Asrar, and Sunigo. We got a new artist on this one. I love Asrar. I can never say his name right. But, or at least I don't feel like I'm saying his name right ever. Who knows. But I'm fucking digging it, man. I'm digging the shit out of his art. You know, I still like Lionel Francis. You, there's nothing wrong with that. Fuck, he did the cover. He's still doing the cover. It's not like he got kicked off the team. It's just, we're going to change it up. Let's talk about this book. Cyclops. He's pretty much rolling around with the new mutants. Now, keep in mind the X-Men title doesn't really revolve around a specific team. It's just whatever X-Men are all up in it, or whatever mutants are all up in it, they're X-Men at this point. So I, I, I dig that. You know, all mutants are capable of becoming X-Men, it seems. You know, there's not a... I guess Krakoa is now the Xavier School for the Gifted in some way, shape, or form. Uh, no, I, think, I fucking never really thought of it like that. Yeah, cool. That's what's going on. Well, what are Cyclops and the New Mutants doing in this one? They're fighting off a brood invasion. And, uh, yeah, it turns out the New Mutants, they brought back a, uh, 
this this king egg, I guess. Now keep in mind, I'm not reading New Mutants, so I'm a little lost as to what's going on in here. But once again, this is what I like about the Dawn of X, is if there's not a title you're reading, uh, it kind of uh, does a good job of maybe kind of trying to intrigue you to get back into it and saying, oh yeah, remember that thing that happened? Well, if you don't remember, this is what's going on, and then that's really cool. But yeah, I dig it. Not that I don't read New Mutants because it's not cool, it's just... I just don't have time for all of the X-Men books as all, well, or the Dawn of X books, pardon. Yeah, so, well, what is what happens when a king egg is brought back to Krakoa? Well, um, it attracts some queens, and so now we got these brood queens coming all up in here, and, uh, yeah. Well, there's, there's some really interesting things brought about in this one, uh, <laughs> in this issue, uh, involving the Inhumans. Now, it was thought, hmm, oh, man, <sighs> are the Inhumans going to make a reappearance because of the X-Men? I fucking hope so. If Hickman can pull off the rebirth of the Inhumans in humans after Donny Cates killed them off, uh, only, and it's not because, you know, the the Inhumans deserve to be killed off, and I wouldn't, you know, I don't think Kate's would be pissed if, they, you know, they were brought back within a year's time. It's just that I feel like Marvel just didn't know what to do with them, and they said, Kate's, find a cool way to put them on, a, on the bench for a while. And he did. And, you know, without, you know, through all that, we've got uh, fucking Vox um, Supreme and shit coming out. You know, Vox is still a thing. But Black Bolt was thought to be dead throughout all of that, is my point. Well, in this issue of X-Men, it seems that maybe Black Bolt didn't die after all in that Great War. Obviously. Uh, I, I mean, I didn't believe it for a second. But yeah, no, this is... This is... Mm, it's bringing some shit to light, man. They just kind of touch on that a little bit. Um, how they... You know, how that conversation comes up, that's something you're just going to have to read on your own, and I know this is a, an overview, but it's not a 100% overview podcast, I still gotta leave some shit to be desired to make you want to go pick up the book, so yeah, um, and if you did pick up the book, and you, you know, you want me to just read it for you, sorry, <laughs> sometimes, but not on this one, Vulcan, there's still more to talk about, Vulcan, he didn't die either, in uh, that war, <laughs> so, um, that that's that's kind of just you know a seed another seed planted in the Hickman universe, but there's no oh shit there's there's more there's more I gotta stop fucking yawning it's not like I'm not excited about these books. Ah, <sighs> Gladiator and Shear Shear Shear, they are also mentioned in this book, so I feel like more than anything this is just a big old just. Garden of Seeds in issue number eight. Not a whole lot happens. They're just kind of say, hey, you know that one thing? That might be talked about again. You know that other thing? That might be talked about again. And, uh, oh, that that, that guy? He didn't he didn't really, uh, he, that, that thing you thought happened to him? That didn't actually happen. Stay tuned for more. Oh, and this motherfucker? You know he means business, and he's got some shit to say to the X-Men too. More soon. And that's what I'm getting out of all of this. Uh, is that a bad thing? Not necessarily. Uh, but, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's still cool. It's still intriguing. I'm talking about it, aren't I? Talking about it. So, let's, uh, let's 
keep it going. <laughs> Avengers. Number 32, Legacy 732, Jason Aaron, Ed McGinnis, and Francesco Mana with the colors of Jason Keith. Um, oh, and McGinnis and Morales and Keith all did the cover as well. All right. Namor, he's a little upset. We're going to get some more Namor action. I'm going to stop right here for a second. I wanted more Tony Stark. Needed more Tony Stark, but if he still answers immediately. And it doesn't seem that Jason Aaron's going to give us those. Uh, I will say that it is not completely swept under the rug in this issue. Uh, it doesn't go completely unmentioned, but it is just ever so slightly mentioned about the whole Mephisto fiasco that we read in the issue 31 of Avengers. Now, with that being said, I still have faith that Aaron is going to touch upon this more. I feel like his Avengers storyline is really bouncing all over the place. And not in an um, uncalculated way. I'm not saying it's just random, uh, I'm, but I'm saying... That there are things that he mentioned and, you know, that, that are brought about on this issue that are mentioned a long time ago. Um, in, in the very beginning of his Avengers run, he's talking about, uh, you know, fucking, well, Namor is pissed. Well, Namor? Namor. Uh, well, no, Nam fuck, Namor's back. The Squadron Supreme's back. That was touched on issues and issues ago. Uh, the Winter Guard's a thing. So, oh, vampires. Yeah, so the, a lot of the things that Aaron has slowly just sprinkled about his run are all coming together in this issue. And it just, it just goes to show why I still have faith in Jason Aaron, even though I'm not happy with his uh, just... Oh, we're not going to talk about that Iron Man thing that shakes up the world anymore. Uh, yeah, there's I got other shit to say. But it's not like it's all new shit. It's just, like I said, he's balling up all the stuff that he was, you know, all those ingredients. and Oh, man, this is this is good stuff. So, uh, Namor, he's upset with Roxxon, naturally. Uh, and, you know, he gets convinced by his uh, bartender, of all people, that he should maybe take out the Avengers. And in doing so, that can, you know, allow him to go after Roxxon. Because he knows as long as the Avengers are around, he's not going to be able to get to Roxxon. Uh, so, no. Um, that's that's just kind of, boop, that's sidelined in there. Um, well, how's he going to do it? He's got to form an alliance because of... Atlanta, he, he on his own and Lannis on his own, they're not powerful enough to take on the Avengers. Whether he wants to believe it or not, it's not true. But if he were to recruit, say, maybe Dracula and some uh, fanged bloodsuckers, vampires, if you will, maybe they might have a chance. Well, let's cut over to the vampires and see what the fuck they're doing. Or, sorry, let's cut away from all that and see what the Winter Guard's doing. Well, they, uh... They, they they got some shit to take down themselves. Not happy with things. So, well, they they need some help. And, uh, uh well, they, they gotta take down the Avengers, too. And, well, they, they're gonna, they're gonna ally with Atlantis. Oh, son of a bitch. So, um, well, if Winter Guard's allying with Namor, and Namor's allying with the vampires, do you think maybe 
the vampires want to ally with the Winter Guard? I bet they do. And they do. Um, whether or not that's actually mentioned upon in this issue, I don't know. I'm just, I just kind of, I'm just assuming. Uh, I didn't write it in my notes, but, uh, yeah. Well, what, what else is going on in this? What else is Jason Aaron sprinkled into the Avengers universe? Oh, yeah. The Squadron Supreme of America. Well, um, as it turns out, Mephisto, oh yeah, and this is where they say, oh yeah, no, we're going to talk more about Mephisto and Tony later, but meanwhile, Mephisto, he is puppeting Coulson, obviously, and uh, Coulson is the really the guy calling the shots for the old Squadron Supreme of America. Now, the thing is, is that he, he, uh, <laughs> He wants to fight against Atlantis and the Winter Guard and the vampires. So, yeah. Um, we're going to get ourselves a hell of a fucking battle here. But it gets better. It gets better. Even Namor himself thinks, okay, maybe all these alliances still aren't enough. Because now it's maybe not just... The Avengers we're going to have to take out. We're going to have to take out the Russian Avengers. I mean, the Winter Guard. So, how about uh, the Phoenix Force? Oh, yeah. Let's just fucking bring that in here, too. So, Namor calls upon the Phoenix Force. Guys. Readers. Slurds. Listeners. Holy fuck. Holy fuck. Go through... If you're just, just now jumping on, or, you know, starting to gain an interest in Avengers after this, I really do suggest you go through and read the first 30 issues of Avengers. I do, because this is all culminating to something brilliant. As we know, Jason Aaron is so capable of fucking doing. I mean, we all read Thor. Well, if we didn't, we at least know about it. And, oh, man. Avengers. Whew, that was good. Let's uh, let's talk Cable. Cable's back. Cable number one. Jerry Duggan, Phil Noto. Phil Noto did the cover, at least the one I picked up. Uh, there was an abundance of covers, as there usually is with the Marvel number one. So yeah, I just went the simple route. I did almost pick up that Scotty Young variant, but I I opted against it. I did. Probably. Oh shit. Against my better judgment, but here we are. So, what is going on in Cable? I know a lot of people don't think this book needs to happen. I get it. I get it. It's very rare that a Cable book does well. But, I think this one is going to do well. I bet you it makes it at least 15 issues. At least. So, Cable and Wolverine. They're sparring in something called the Quarry. Now, the Quarry, it seems like it's really just a battle training ground, uh, but also competitive as well, as it is officiated and um, recorded. Now, the Cable Wolverine battle in the Quarry, I believe, is the 10th battle to take place. And in there, they actually give a list of all 10 battles that have happened, giving the winner and the loser. I spent two or three minutes alone just on that page going, oh shit, who won here? Who won here? Oh fuck, that person beat that person? So that was, it's, I found it to be pretty fucking neat. 
So Silver Samurai, he's officiating and keeping track of all of these events. And uh, yeah, it's just a friendly little let's fuck each other up and yeah, we'll keep score. In the meantime, we'll get better at what we do. Uh, I appreciate it. And keep in mind, this is a young cable. Uh, and ca I mean, just in case you're, for whatever reason, not sure, this is a younger version of cable. This isn't future cable. This is young future cable. Hmm. <laughs> Time travel is so confusing. So, uh, well, now, there's a monster. There's a monster on Krakoa, and that monster is a product of... Once again, an event, I want to say this took place in a very early issue of Hickman's X-Men run. Maybe even as early as issue one or two, and that's when, uh, no, I want to say it's two. Krakoa is just creeping up on this other island and then just kind of engulfs it. And don't get me wrong, I thought that island was fucking that other island. I did. Turns out that's not the case, it ate it. And it's still, well, that still created some sort of weird spawning to happen. And that's where these monsters come from. They're a product of Krakoa eating another island. So it's up to Cable, Armor, Pixie, and Curse to deal with this fucking monster. Well, as this monster's just running through the jungle, um, well, uh, Cable has this uh, inclination that maybe it's just mad because it's hot. And sure as shit, you get the classic trope of there's just a little thorn in its paw, and if you pull the thorn out, maybe he'll give you a big kiss. And that's almost what happens, kind of. But, yeah, that's... Monster's cool. Bye-bye. Well, <laughs> uh, well uh, throughout all of this, um, I don't get me wrong, I'm... Or, uh, don't get me wrong. Forgive me for not... Um, writing down the exact event of how it happens, but Cable is seems to be, or this issue of Cable, seems to be the first teaser catalyst to a major X-Men event taking place here real soon. Um, Ten of Swords. So, uh, Cable gets a sword, is what I'm getting at, and at first, he's, when he's wielding it, it's a little too powerful for him, but he's able to just kind of, whoop, whoop, I figured this out, it's good. Now, Cable has a sword. He's happy, he's happy he has a sword. Where did this sword come from? Well, and that gets explained. It comes from the Galadorians. Well, the Galadorians are these it's this ancient race, and apparently they've been in hibernation for millions of years, and they've got this crazy ancient magical powerful armor. And uh, yeah, well, the, the, they've kind of been on display in this alien nation or whatever, and then, boom, the 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 sword is found or also known as the Light of Galador, and all of a sudden, apparently that's the last little piece needed to to, to get together. Uh, fuck, I don't know. Uh, it turns out that's what they're after, though. So there they go. Boom. <laughs> Cable's leading into some good shit. I've got a lot of fucking faith in this book. You know, initially I had it on just for the first issue, but I'm adding it. It's, it's Jerry Duggan. It's Phil Noto. It's going to be good. Venom. Venom, 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 number 24, Legacy 189, Donnie Cates, Mark Bagley, Andy Owens, and Frank Martin. Bagley and Owens and Jason Keith did the cover. Alright, this book is fucked, and I mean that in a good way. Starts out with Eddie, he's in the hospital, 
He's been rescued by Captain America, and, you know, in that last issue, the final scene is him being rescued by Captain America off of Venom Island, and then his Venom is left down below as a nuke speeds by and blows up the island. Eddie is now in the hospital, and um, he's, uh, he's got really just three of the Avengers in the room. It's Captain Marvel and Captain America and Iron Man, and they're just kind of looking on him like, oh, he's fucking done for. This guy's useless. What's he going to do with the I mean, not only has he missing a hanging Lieutenant Dan, he ain't got no symbiote. So, um, yeah, what's he going to do? Well, it gets worse for Eddie. You know, not only is he kind of embarrassed and as the Avengers of all people just kind of look on and, you know, like, well, this guy's fucking useless. His son pops into the room and says, Dad, I can't be with you anymore. And Captain America says, that's right, Eddie. Because of the War of the Realms and because of this whole carnage thing, you're not capable of taking care of your son. That's it. Sorry. At this point, I'm thinking, what the fuck, man? Jesus Christ, Donnie Case, let up a little. Well, he does. It was all a dream. But not in the, oh, thank God type of way. He's still on the island. And um, as it turns out, Carnage, the symbiote, has caught up to him. The Venom symbiote is in hiding. So just as you think, oh, good, it was all just a dream, you realize that shit may be actually worse than everything that I just explained. It'd be one thing to be without a symbiote, but when the symbiote you do have is fucking Carnage, and now Null is all up in your head, fuck, dude. Um, yeah, so Eddie is Carnage right now, and he's fighting it. It's not going well. Venom is in hiding, but Dylan... Dylan is ultra-powerful. He can communicate with these symbiotes. He can puppet them. He can control them remotely. And he's he's just slowly learning all of these powers that he's, he's manifested. One of these powers apparently has to do with opening portals now. So in doing so, he's able to find the Venom symbiote, remotely uh, puppet it. And in doing so, because there is no physical form... The symbiote is able to take on any form he wants. And when you got a 13-year-old imagination, we already seen what he's done with Sleeper. Turn it into a fucking little keycap. Or more like a Pokeon. I'm telling a, a Pokeon? Pokemon. I'm telling you, that fucking Sleeper looks like Umbreon, that Pokemon. Uh, this, this is what it looks like to me. Only different color scheme. There, I said it. Uh, <laughs> but how would... How, the fact is, is that... <laughs> The way Dylan manipulates the symbiote, it's so much more than a little kitty cat, or a big jungle cat for that matter. It's a motherfucking T-Rex, or a V-Rex, if you will. Venom is in T-Rex form, hunting carnage. After, oh man, oh, just trying to get his fucking Eddie back. And, oh man, this is... This, this, it was just an amazing, amazing issue of Venom. This solidifies why Venom is, it's, it's Marvel's best ongoing. Um, admittedly, the first few issues of Venom Island was a little slow for me. The only stuff I was really interested in was the stuff going outside the island. You know, the whole Dylan thing. But just the way they brought in this fucking, oh man, this shit is fucked. In a good way.
in a fucked up way. Um, yeah, let's keep this going. There's there's so many books this week, guys. Let's talk a little Star Wars. I got two Star Wars books to talk about this week. I don't think that ever happens for me. I picked up Star Wars Bounty Hunters. Star Wars Bounty Hunters number one, Ethan Sachs, part of the reason I picked it up. Paolo Villanelli and Afif Prianto. Uh, and Lee Bermejo did the cover on this. So, something pretty to look at just right off the bat. Alright. Uh, we're, we're getting to know some, uh, some, some bounty hunters here. The Devonorians, they are the bounty. And uh, they are to be brought in alive. Well, Valance, a bounty hunter, he collects after... <coughs> Uh, an encounter with Boba Fett. Boba just kind of, I guess he just... Uh, he, he lets him have it. It's whatever. Now, uh, I know that there's... I'm going to go on record by saying... I don't know everything about Star Wars. I don't. Uh, I like what I like in the Star Wars universe. I like the bounty hunters. I like Vader. Uh, I like the Huts. I like... You know, it's, I'm not gonna go on uh, everything that I like, but the fact is, is there's things that I just I, I don't know everything about. Uh, I don't read the novels, and I don't take notes when I'm watching the movies. So shit flies by me. So I uh, the the point of that disclaimer is is that yes, there's there's going to be things where I'm going to obviously f you know just mismention. Say, oh, look at this new guy. I've never seen him before. They're like, are you kidding? That's the fucking so-and-so. He blew up the so-and-so and the thingy, and he said the thing with the, the gun and the blaster and uh, the princess. I get it. That's going to happen with me talking about Star Wars from time to time. Just going to have to bear with me. But I'm still going to talk about what I like. So, <laughs> uh, Valance. He collects He collects on the, the Devonorian. Meanwhile, Tonga. Tonga? Tonga, you know it's Tonga. Um, he's he's out to avenge some families, uh, his family to be exact. But really, I find the the most intriguing part of this book is bringing in Doctor Afra and uh, BK, or Black Cranston, Cranston, Black Cranston. I don't know. That's just BK. But uh, Doctor Doc Afra is all up in this motherfucker, and we get a cool encounter uh, with Bosk. Bosk wants the hide of the Wookiee, and Doc Afra, oh, man. There's just some really cool, that, that's just a really cool uh, um, encounter between the, and I, you know, I've never read any Doc Afra. I didn't read Kieran Gillen's run on Vader. I need to go back and do that. I just read Soul's run. So I, I, I've never, this is my first time reading Doc Afra, but fucking digging it. Uh, I, I, I dig what I've read on this character. Uh, Ethan Sachs wrote her voice very well, and BK's the shit. But we go back to Fett. Fett, he collects, or he gets a puck for a bounty, and we hear that Nakano Lash is out there, and, uh, when, you know, first, Fett says, I'm not interested, I got other shit to do, and then when he realizes that, that the, the puck is Nakano Lash, he says, keep your money, I'm on it. And that was such a fucking gangster-ass line. And that line is actually what made me realize, okay, now I'm, I'm, in, I'm in, this ish, or in this run now. And this, this comic is something I will be reading from here on. Uh, I'm, admittedly, you know, it's fucking... This is... Uh, uh, the Mandalorian did this to me. 
Uh, I was I didn't know much about the hunters, the bounty hunters. Yeah, I saw as much Boba Fett as everyone else. But oh, oh. Mandalorians or the Mandalorian, uh, that just it really brought me into this fucking world and it just made me want to know more about Fett. And now we're getting it. We get a Boba Fett book. And it's not just Boba Fett centered, which I love because the bounty hunters are so mm, fucking love this, man. This is this was such a good book. I'm telling you that line at the end. Keep your money. That was so gangster. <laughs> uh, more Star Wars. Darth Vader. Darth Vader. Greg Pak. Raffaele. Raphael. Sorry. Uh, Ainko and Niraj Menon. Covered by Enoch Lee. All right. So Vader and Z67. They encounter Padme. Remember that in that last issue. Well, um, uh, <laughs> Through a series of questioning and scanning via droids and whatnot, we realize that this isn't exactly Padme. It is a clone, but this clone is very, very, very uh, close to Padme. Yeah. So, God, I have I have so many notes written down on this. I'm not going to go through this bit by bit. I'm going to give you the gist of this. This podcast is already running long. Uh, <laughs> what what it comes down to is uh, Sabe is what we're gonna uh, is what they refer to this this clone as from here on. Sabe and Vader they essentially they team up. Whoever kill whoever Vader convinces her. Whoever um, hid Padme is also the one that killed her. And at this point, Sabe says, "Well, we gotta kill that those motherfuckers." Um, yeah, she would have served the Empire, and, yeah, we gotta do this right, so, Sabe fucking serves Darth Vader, and I like, I I really like the the dynamic between the two, because it's not a complete, uh, Vader doesn't have complete control over her, like, she can get away with being snippy, because Vader still sees her as Padme in a distant way, he knows it's not her, but he's still like, oh, she's. I like it when she's a little bitch to me. So, <laughs> yeah, man. Well, it turns out, um, you know, they they gotta they gotta go to Naboo. They gotta, you know, there's these security recordings in this, you know Padme's chamber, and yeah, they gotta go there and they gotta figure out what the fuck happened to her. The oh man, this is this. It, I know in the last issue we were made to believe that, oh yeah, Padme coming back is going to change everything. Yes, Padme's not back, but the reveal of, or the the true reveal of her death still changes everything, right? Right? I don't know. I believe so. Uh, let's talk the last Marvel book of the week. Another banger. Thor, number four, Legacy 730. Donnie Cates, Nick Klein, and Matt Wilson. Oliver Copio and Laura Martin did the cover. All right, Sif comes down, steps in front of Beta Ray Bill, and is attempting to, you know, just say, Thor, stop it. Stop it, you two, your friends. Stop it. And Thor says, well, bitch, if this is how you're going to do it, you're supposed to be serving Asgard, and you're off your post, and you're not doing what I say, so be it. So he throws Mjolnir. But she transfers that motherfucker away via Rainbow Bridge, and uh, she sends it to Jotunheim. Well, and the point is, she goes, I gotta send it to a place where no being would be capable of holding it. And there's no one in Jotunheim that could hold up Mjolnir. Turns out she's fucking wrong. 
because it lands right at the feet of Loki, and Loki picks up Mjolnir, and then it's ripped out of his hand, and it says, a story for another time. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that was fucking crazy, but it's, it, it goes right back to Thor, because that's, you know, how Mjolnir works, doesn't matter how far away it is, he just merely thinks of it, and boom, Mjolnir's just on his way back. <sighs> well, at this point, <laughs> Sif just says, okay, I get it. I'm going to take Beta Ray Bill and get the fuck up out of here. guess this just isn't, uh, yeah. Sorry, Thor. Well, at this point, Thor and Galactus, they got to continue on. Time to devour. And they take on three more planets. You know, one down, four to go. So they take out Stylus, and they take out IOX4, and then they take out Vanish, IVII. I don't know what the fuck that's. I, I don't know Roman numerals that well. I don't know IVII is. Whatever. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, and then they get to the final planet of Cryo, Cryo, and you know Thor's doing his champion type of thing. People of Cryo, come to Asgard. We'll house you. We'll be good. Uh, the king of Cryo says, "I don't think I want to do that. Um, I'd rather actually, instead of running, I'd rather fight with you guys. Let's fight the Black Winter together." And Thor says, "That's fucking noble as shit." And then he turns around, and Galactus is devouring the fucking planet. And he's like, whoa, dude, what the fuck? Like, give these pe people a chance. He's like, there's no time. The Black Winner's here. And you look up, and the Black Winner's there, and the people of Cryo have vanquished. They've perished. Thor's not happy about it at all. Galactus is in full power, and the Black Winter is there. And that, that is a banger of a fourth issue. Uh, Donny Cates, man. I like how he planted that seed with Loki picking up Mjolnir. I'm super fucking cool with that. I'm super cool with all this. All of it. Fucking dig it. That's it for Marvel. Let's talk indies, man. We've got some indies to talk about, no doubt. Uh, Reaver, number seven. Justin Jordan, Nico Heinrichen. And Becky Cloonan did the cover. R Reaver's back. And I gotta say, before I get into this book, anybody that picks up this book... If you're to turn to the back page, you're going to see the cutest fucking dog in the whole world. The cutest goddamn dog. That dog's name is Dr. Strangelove. Um, there was a, a night in a uh, sleepless stupor after reading Reaver that I decided that I was going to uh, submit a picture of my dog loving all up on the comic. And, uh, yes, it's not my dog. It's not my dog. I'm... Um, <laughs> it's my dog. Uh, and yeah, what do you know? Made the fucking book, and you know I didn't think that <laughs> I was kind of under the impression that Reaver was done, and maybe the next, you know, I didn't think the universe was over, but the yeah, the title Reaver itself was just kind of a, a spawning point for all of these other characters, and you know maybe we get an Essen Breaker book, or you get a book called Skin Eater or something. No. Reaver continues on in issue number seven. So, yay. Strange Love made the cover. Or not the cover. The back page. He's cute. Check him out. So, uh, Essen Breaker. This is an Essen Breaker book. It is the ultimate character of the Reaver universe, in my opinion. Essen Breaker, the time has passed. He's not bold. Bold? He's not bald anymore. He's He's got himself a mop ahead. A mop on a head? You understand what I'm trying to say. It's fucking early people. Well, he's in a town called Hoth Hodden. It's a city of opportunity, but it's also a city of fuckery. 
Well, he 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 saves this young girl from from this uh, you know group of fuckheads. Well, the girl she attempts to steal from him, and that's when he realizes, oh, it's you know you you show your gratitude by by thieving from me, huh, bitch? And it's this kind of town. She's like, yeah, you're probably not gonna make it here. As big as you are, probably not gonna make it. Well, he's uh yeah he continues to go do his thing, be gone, little little peasant orphan. Um, I respect you. I'm not gonna not save you, but that was a cunty move. So, yeah. Well, he's out having a pint, and you know, he's, he's, there's some familiar, or at least a familiar face in there, and he's got a little. You know, he has a, a kind of an encounter, but it's broken up. Well, the the person he encounters does does play a huge part later on in the book. Well, um, he's he's off. Uh, apparently, he's he's been. He wants to go make this donation. I guess he takes these uh. These uh, um, coins and delivers money to an orphanage. You know, fucking cool. Good on you, Essen Breaker. And this priest, he's got, he's got a you know, a little bit of a um, a warm heart towards Essen, and yeah. So of course, in this orphanage is that that theming little girl, and you know, there's no hard feelings. <laughs> fucking kind of shoots her a little bit of respect, thumbs up. Not, I mean, not necessarily, but that's kind of the vibe I get. If you were to modernize his uh, his his reaction, I guess when he sees her, I don't know. I don't know. It's just kind of cool. Well, you, you see that there's a relationship between the priest and Breaker here, and yeah. Well, um, as time goes by, Breaker learns that um, well, the, the 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 orphanage has been compromised, and he shows up, and the priest is being held hostage by that son of a bitch that broke into the bar, or not or broke into, but busted through the bar earlier and uh well yeah him and a bunch of goons apparently they've all been set up by the stagger person whoever that is and unfortunately um uh, the, the the priest he, he he doesn't make it and this pisses off our berserker and um unfortunately for him as capable of he uh, or as capable as he may seem these these goons they're they've been given some weird drug and allows them to fuck some shit up and uh by fuck some shit up i mean they fuck up essenbreaker pretty good it's not looking good for him at all but thankfully thankfully the second best character and the coolest duo of the reaver universe uh team first arc whatever are reunited, and the skin eater's back, and she's there just fucking these bastards up by just shunking knives into them. Oh, man. Reaver's so fucking back. I love this goddamn book, and it just got better, because really what it did is it took the two best characters, and just now it just follows them. Um, I was cool with the other ones. They were fine. They had their own little part to play. I get it. Uh, most of them were actually fucking dead, but... Ooh man, this is this is fucking storytelling. Uh, yeah, let's uh let's talk let's talk Boom Studios now. Um, sorry, uh, Gogo -Go Power Rangers, Gogo -Go Power Rangers number thirty, Ryan Parat, uh, Cena Grace, Francisco Mortarino, and Raul Angulo, covered by Eleonora Carlini. 
Alright, so once again, we're kind of time jumping back and forth here. Some of it's modern time. Some of it is, oh, remember when that happened? And the remembering part is Zach and Trini and Jason all um, really just kind of meeting Kaya for the first time in more detail on planet Kahuja. And yeah, uh, while all this is going on in real time, Zed is sending down Squat and Babu and Goldar to Promethea Labs to get this tech, while Hodgepodge Hedgehog is fucking shit up, and Kim and Tommy and Billy are all trying to do that and defend Promethea. Well, Hodgepodge has this weird thing that it does, he does, um, where he lays these weird gross eggs and they hatch out to be little hodgepodge hedgehogs and that that proves to be a fucking problem a big problem actually uh <laughs> but while all this is going on squat and babu and goldar they obtain this dagger and apparently this is the dagger that goldar needs to continue or goldar um uh, lord zed needs to keep fucking shit up so oh man oh man oh man oh man there we go um, I, you know, like I said, the, the time jumpy thing is kind of confusing me, but for the most part, I really think I'm starting to understand what the fuck is going on in the Power Rangers comics. I'm digging it. Uh, from Action Lab Danger Zone, we got ourselves a real fucking horror book, and I mean a real horror book. Sweetheart. Nothing says horror like sweetheart. Sweetheart number one. Oh, man. Uh, Dylan Gilbertson, Francesco Iaquinto, and Marco Peota. Uh, Iaquinto, sorry, Iaquinto did the cover. Alright. This book follows a kid by the name of Ben, or a character by the name of Ben. Uh, ben, he gets chosen by this creature. Now, these creatures in this universe, there's two different uh, breed, breeds. We've got stingers and bruisers. Stingers are faster and smaller, bruisers are just bigger. Um, yeah, so, uh, Ben gets chosen by a stinger. Now, what the, what, what, what it means to get chosen is essentially you are its next meal. It hunts nothing else until it eats you. Uh, now there are ways to avoid it. The way one avoids these, these creatures is through a toxin that must be consumed every four hours. Um, now, over time, um, uh, as the creature gets closer to you, its hunger gets... It just gets more, uh, I'm trying to think of a good word here. It's not coming to me, though. It's gnarly. It's just uh, overpowering. And, uh, yeah, well, um, you can you can have this toxin or tonic in your system and get right up to it. But, like I said, the closer you get, the, the more likely it is to just power through the, the, the this tonic and it become ineffective essentially well uh ben he goes about and he lives 32 years or well the story picks up 32 years after his first encounter and he's in a grocery store with his mom and he uh he he, he witnesses his first real feeding of one of these creatures and it's by a bruiser so he's just in the fucking milk aisle and uh bruiser's just eating this dude and it triggers something in him uh and he's, he's not fucking having it but unfortunately even more unfortunately for him 
he sees that now that this bruiser has eaten, he can choose its next target, and its target is Ben's mom. Well, uh, he he gives her his tonic. The bruiser's able to go after him, or after her, and he speeds off. And at this point, he's so fucking sick of these creatures, he... He slams another tonic of his own, and he goes face-to-face with his own creature, the one that's been stalking him for 32 fucking years. And, uh, yeah, yeah, he, well, he's at this point, he's got kids, and, you know, he's lived a full life. Or, not a full life, um, you know, he's, he's lived a normal life, despite all of this. He's able to, he's been able to avoid it, but at this point, now that there's one after his mom... He says, "Look, motherfucker, I'm 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 done with you. I'm not gonna have you haunt me after I'm done with you. I'm gonna, yeah." He says, "I'm coming for you," and he turns around and he walks away. He says, "You'll see, motherfucker," but because it's been 32 years, and he got nose to nose with his his stinger, the tonic has rendered itself ineffective, and the next frame is Ben. His head is, is exploding <laughs> because this thing just chomps the fuck down. And unfortunately for him, his daughter witnesses all of this. Well, Ben's stinger has eaten. It's on to the next target. And normally, uh, it, it, it's it's automatically attracted. If there's not a target um, that's immediately um, available... The thing goes after the next closest family member, but it just so happened that the next closest family member, Ben's daughter, is now the target, and she stands there. Oh, man. See, it almost felt like this was going to be a standalone. No, there's going to be an issue, too, following her. Fuck, this is gnarly. This was a gnarly goddamn book. This was true horror. True horror in comics. I, I don't... I, I can't recommend it enough. If you like comics, man, this is it was unique. It was, oh man, just gruesome, gruesome, bloody, amazing to look at. I love it. The man who fucked up time. <sighs> man who fucked up time number two. John Layman, Carl Mostert, and D. Kniff. I'm so happy to say that my issue one did come on the same day as issue number two did. I I just missed out on it completely. Yeah, space the fact that Layman was writing this and, um, I yeah. My LCS couldn't get to me, but thankfully they did reorder it for me, and ugh, I was able to catch up, and here I am. Call, who's our guy? Carl? That's not his name, right? Bennett. Bennett, he's he's fucked up. Fucked up time. This is essentially what's going on. The future cops, they uh, they go back in time, and they scar his baby face and as a reminder, and now he's got to stop himself from doing a bunch of shit, and the thing he's stopping himself from, and this time is essentially buying lotto tickets. Goes to his current self, or yeah, and says, "Hey, don't do this, motherfucker! You're gonna fuck shit up." He's like, "All right, cool." So he does it, but that somehow fucks up shit even more. And in this universe, really, the thing to to keep in mind is very Abraham Lincoln-centered universe. <laughs> uh, it's King Abraham the seventh or some shit at this point, and yeah. Well, now that things are you know fucked up even worse, the time stream, uh, he's he's being chased. Uh, for treason and well, and theft for that matter, and the, the the theft is essentially or attempted theft, the attempted theft of one Mary Todd Lincoln and her love. It looks like in the time machine, old uh, old Sean Bennett here decided to write the king's wife or queen, if you will, <laughs> Mary Todd Lincoln, 
a little love letter. And that got him uh, in trouble. <laughs> fucking great, man. This is just a fun read. It's a fun fucking read. Do it. You'll love it. Uh, last overview of the week. Oh, man. Another big one. Rye. Rye number five. Dan Abnett, Juan Jose, Rip, and Andrew Dollhouse. And uh, I got the Ramon F. Box cover. Uh, Rye's still in Hope Springs, but now Hope Springs is being invaded by the Red King's men. And at this point, it's Rye and Rajin and uh, Galad and Karan all together defending Hope Springs. I know they're kind of pinned against each other. Even though they're all friends, they're just kind of, you know, there is no offspring. we got to kill the offspring, but there is no offspring. Uh, Oh, there's an offspring. Kill it. Uh, Oh, too late. They're here. (laughs) So, yeah, that's that's essentially what the fuck's happening. And now, once, uh, you know, Hope Springs has kind of settled down, you know, after, you know, they all do their thing, it's Rye reveals to uh, Galad his, his... his actual plan after he's done killing the Red King, he does in fact plan on killing Rajin, which is fucked. Uh, but what he also says is that our our race cannot live on. That's all there is to it. So after I kill Rajin, I'm gonna kill myself too. So it's 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 not like I'm gonna be the only one. I'm gonna be very selfless in this manner. And Galad says, "Well, I thought you were learning to become human." And Rai says, in the most poetic of ways, I'm learning to become human so I can learn how to die. And then it's just like, oh, fuck. Ah, right in the heart. Right in the heart, man. I'm, Rai, man, this is good. It's got its action. It's got its everything. The, the Ron, Juan Jose's rip is just as stellar as it always is. Uh, yeah, there's not as many talking points in this one. That's because they get right to the point, and it's just action, motherfucker. Attack, attack, attack. Survive, survive, survive. And, yeah, there you go. Uh, Those are the overviews this week. I know, like I said, it kind of ran a little bit long, but I'm not going to sacrifice talking about a good book for the sake of, uh, well, anything for that matter. So I'm going to take a quick break here and be right back in just a moment with some honorable mentions. Hang tight. Hey, how you doing? My name is Joey Galvez, and I'm here to invite you to head on over to the 143 Podcast Network to check out all our shows that range from collecting, music, all things geek, all under one roof, right here on the 143 Podcast Network, partnering with Age of Radio. Check us out. Hey, this is Ken M. Padawan J. Coach Duffy. From the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour podcast. Every week, the ODPH is talking sports, movies, TV, comics, and more. It's always a parlay of topics on each episode. You can find the ODPH on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and wherever you find great podcasts, such as the one you're listening to right now. Don't forget to check out OchoDuroParlayHour.com, where you can find the links to all of the ODPH social media accounts, links to the bands whose music you hear each week on the show, hashtag 607 podcast info and parlay points our companion block section of the show thanks for listening to the odph now get back to your regularly scheduled podcast all right welcome back to the uh, last part of episode 71 all right uh, honorable mentions these are the books that didn't quite make the overviews but still very very worth mentioning so if you, you know, go back to the shelves and yeah, there's something you missed that, you know, yeah, I don't know, I fucking read these books. 
Green Lantern is the first honorable mention of the week. The reason why this book doesn't make the overviews is, for one, I just don't have the brain capacity to deal with uh, Grant Morrison writing a uh, character universe that I don't know enough about. I know the Green Lantern Corpse goes deep, Hal Jordan goes deep, and yeah, I read the first couple issues of season one, or is they're referring to it now? Uh, and, uh, yeah, I was like, oh, okay, this is cool. It's definitely amazing to look at. I mean, Liam Sharp and Greg Olaf are incredible fucking artists. But, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, I call these apocalypse books. These are the books that you read when, uh, um, the coronavirus is going on and fucking comic shipments stop. Yeah, yeah, that's what you do there. Um... I was I've, I'm pre- I'm prepped. I may not have toilet paper, but um, I've got plenty of new reading material that I will not be using as toilet paper. You fucking out. Anybody has you know? I just gotta go on and say anybody that's made that joke can eat a fucking dick. Just saying. You don't fucking use even unless it's Rob Liefeld. If it's Rob Liefeld or Liefeld, Liefeld, whatever. I don't care to say his name right. Wipe your ass away. Other than that, that's not what comics are for. Uh, one more DC honorable mention, the Dollhouse family. At this point, I'm gonna binge it. I hear it's just getting crazy. I read the, the first issue and thought, yeah, no, this is six issues. I just want to hunker down one night and just fucking terrify myself. So that's what I'm gonna do with that one one of these days. Bloodshot number seven, new story arc continues. Uh, Vin Diesel, look at him all up on the top part of the cover there. Baldy. Uh... (laughs) I haven't seen the movie yet. I haven't got to it. Uh, and I don't think I'll be seeing it for a couple of weeks on account of theaters aren't open. Fucked up on that one. I knew I fucked up by not seeing it opening day. I knew it. I fucking knew it. And now this movie's not going to make any fucking money. And the Valiant Universe isn't going to be a thing. Because it didn't make any fucking money. Uh, and if only I would have spent... My, my $12 would have made all the difference. All of the difference. I know it would have. Uh, the comic, on the other hand, I collect it, I read it every once in a while, I just know what I'm gonna get out of it. It's Tim Seeley just fucking throwing bloodshot and some crazy, crazy shit. It's action-packed, man, I love it. I dig it. Uh, Stealth, more Image Comics. Stealth, number one. Just like the, uh, this is one of those books, the only reason I didn't overview it is because it was just as if, just like the description said. There was no nothing new revealed. It was, uh, yeah, it was throughout the, I mean, and don't get me wrong. If you didn't read the description at all, this book was probably a lot more interesting. But because this entire time I was thinking, well, it says that the hero has Alzheimer's. And, I mean, I'm just waiting for it to be the old guy and behind the suit the whole time. And that's exactly what it was. You know, they, they, they mapped it out to make you believe that it was his son that was out there. No, oh, I gotta go, Dad. Sorry, fucking. And the old man going, oh, oh, I hit my head. Fucking. Oh, what are you doing? You're too old for this shit. Turns out, no, he didn't hit his head. And fucking, he's out fighting shit. Uh, but I still like the idea of a hero with Alzheimer's. Uh, not a f- super strong first issue, in my opinion, but that's only because of everything I just said. They, they they gave the whole book away in the description. And that, that yeah, fuck shit up. Decorum. This is an eight-parter from Hickman and Huddleston. I It was too big of a week for me to try to wrap my mind around Hickman more than once. 
Uh, this is just a mini-series. I'll, I'll, it's an apocalypse book is what it is. I'm going to get all eight issues. And eventually, one day, I will read them. I know these ten... I should be getting the trades when I do it like that. Or ideally, you would think that you would get the trades if you're just going to never have any intention on, yeah, waiting to read it till the entire story's done. But... I like to support fucking single-issue comics. That's that's what there is to it. So I have no problem going through and um, reading single issues. Uh, and it's just, yeah, not a, not a problem for me. Some Marvel honorable mentions. Spider-Man. Amazing Spider-Man number 41. Thought I was going to get back on it, but I just, I really don't. <sighs> More Boomerang. Fuck, dude. Uh, I, f I feel like that's that's just the one trick that Spencer just keeps pulling out of his bag. Is Oh, yeah, my boomerang. His roommate's Peter. Mm, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I'm not saying don't read it by any means. I'll never say that. I don't think I've given this that disclaimer yet. I'll never say don't read a book just because I don't like it. I'm just... Yeah. I want to read some good Spider-Man. There's not a whole lot of it out there right now at the moment. Uh, Star Wars Rise of Kylo Ren. Three Star Wars books this week. This is a, I think this is just the, I think this is just a four-parter. Uh, so that wraps that up, I believe. Um, I'll, I'll go through and read it eventually. I like Kylo Ren. I hear that the origin's really good. I'm trying to, you know, know more about the Star Wars universe now that the, the, the Skywalker family is completely not going to be a thing in movies anymore. So I need to know everything I can about them now. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not good at fa fashion and fads and shit like that, just for that reason. I wait for it to be done before I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that. I want to do that. <laughs> I guess I'm just a fucking rebel. I don't know. Adventures of the Wastelands. Uh, I think this is just a five-parter. Another one, I'm just gonna kind of, you know, fucking... I, I, I want to read it all at once, see what the fuck's going on. Uh, I want to know what the future Avengers are, what they hold. You know, I may not get to it right away, but once, once I, I know this team's gonna mean something great in the in the future of Marvel. They wouldn't. I don't think this is just a, a what if type of scenario. The wastelands are very, very real. So, yeah. Uh, New Mutants number nine. Once again, just, uh, I'm gonna collect it through ten just to say I got the first ten issues of the Dawn of X New Mutants, and yeah, we'll see what happens, and then maybe they. I don't know. It's just not my not my team is all. It has nothing to do with uh um fucking Oh shit, what am I trying to say? Uh the the creative team by any means. It's just these mutants I don't really care about. That's all. And that's all I've got for honorable mentions. Honorable. So, uh by no means you know is an honorable mention a bad book. That's all there is to it. It's just shit that I either didn't get around to or I have other intentions for. So that wraps up that segment. Let's carry on to wall books, or in this case, wall book. There's only one book I picked up specifically for the wall this week. And honestly, I'm not sure this one's going to get hung up on the wall. Uh, I just, I, I, I'm i a big fan of this story, and, you know, there, there's a cool incentive cover that I liked. And the, the, the cover is The Man Who Fucked Up Time. So I picked up the incentive on that one. Uh, it's, it's just, it's got our cover with a bunch of fucking dinosaurs plowing through the background. Uh, who did the, what's it say here? 
uh, Andrew Robinson. Andrew Robinson. Yeah, it's fucking dope. But, you know, just, I don't know if it'll make the wall just because it's got the fucking trade dress on it. and It's very rare that a comic uh, make, er, makes it on the wall of mine with trade dress on it. Unless it suits a theme like Francesco Mattina or Venomized or something like that. I don't know. I'm just rambling now because there's not a lot of wall books to talk about. But that'd be it. That was the only book I picked up specifically for the cover. So... Sure. Let's uh let's let's talk all these books. Let's kind of let's lump them up. Let's judge them, huh? Let's judge them. Let's be really judgy. No, not really. Uh I I do however want to give credit to my favorites of the week. There's three categories in which I like to uh, one should judge a book and that should be by its cover. Shelf appeal is a big deal. So, um yeah, I'm, I like to I like to give credits to these these cover artists um so i'm gonna start out there and actually my uh my favorite cover of the week was not actually a wall book this is from new mutants that shit was fucking wacky i don't know uh i'm gonna open this up here to see who did it because i don't have those notes in front of me and turn that page uh so yeah it's just, it's just creepy it's weird i don't know what the fuck's going on on this cover but i dig it oh, let me see who did it uh, do, do, do. marcos martin yeah that's the guy I'm gonna keep a lookout for this guy's uh, this guy's covers more. It's good shit. Uh, more judginess. Interiors. The book. Uh, you know, storytelling is 50% visual when it comes to comics, so we can't not give credit to these artists, man. These guys put in a lot of fucking work, and I think the guy that pulled it off again, again, again this week. I think every time he's mentioned on this podcast, he gets he gets this credit of greatest. Artist of the week, and that's Juan Jose Rip. Issue number five just fucking killed it again on Rye, man. It's just it doesn't matter what he's drawing; it's it's just amazing to look at. There's so much detail, and none of it's unnecessary. The dude just knows what's up. I really want to see him in a Marvel or a DC book, and not just doing covers. So, Juan Jose Rip gets my uh, interior artist of the week. Rye gets the best interior visuals of the week. So there we go there. Now, as far as my overall story, my favorite thing I read, uh, it was it was pretty hard to pick, to be honest. And that that's a good thing. That's a good thing. But when it came down to it, I feel like the book that sparked the most emotion for me was Venom. I just, I, 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 rem- I still remember how I felt reading Venom uh, from beginning to end and how tense it was and Fuck, and then Mark Bagley doing the art as well. It all just came together as the perfect comic book. It's a five-star comic book. That's that's all there is to it. Uh, I, I Easily my most recommended book of the week, and I stand by the fact that, and I say fact, <laughs> Venom is Marvel's best ongoing series. It is. I know I've gone back and forth a few times, but um, I stand by it now, and that's all there is to it. So if you're... If you want my my recommendation for best book uh, in Marvel, then go through and read all of Venom. You're not going to be disappointed. It sets up so many amazing things. And like I said, that fucking... There's so much emotion just drawn from this this issue. So that wraps all that up. Those are the books last week. Those are the books. Um, You know, I, I had a Facebook discussion all lined up. But because we're running running long on this podcast, and because of the massive amount of response that I got 
from the Facebook group. I'm going to save it for the next one. So you're going to have to wait there, fuckers. But um, yeah, there's still time to uh, to hop on all in that discussion. So you guys know how to work Facebook. Just cheers to comics. Join the group. I'll let you in. And uh, yeah, maybe you can have your name mentioned on this here podcast. So that wraps up the 11th of March, that week in comics. I'd like to remind you to support this show. Do so by becoming a patron. Patreon.com slash cheers to comics. It's a dollar. A fucking dollar, man. A dollar a month gets you access to all types of exclusive content. I've got a Kelly Thompson interview that's going to be sitting up on Patreon for a while. So, uh, normie listeners, non-patrons... Um, I'm just, I'm so booked. <laughs> so I've, I'm going to have, that's just what it is now. My episodes are going to have to sit in the bank for a bit. And Kelly Thompson, if you want to hear that episode, I'll have that up on Patreon here in a matter of hours from the, the time this podcast goes up. So hang tight, uh, jump on there. And there's several tiers to choose from as well. So it's a, and that money all goes towards a good cause. And that's the, the, the quality of this podcast. Uh, also, five-star reviews on Apple are huge. The overlord of podcasts suggests that um, in order for the things you love to be successful, you must judge them. And do so by five stars. You know, you could be Haiti and all of that shit. If there's something you don't like, leave it in the comments. But do it behind five stars because it doesn't matter what you say. They just care. Apple just cares about the amount of pointy things that, yeah, I don't know. It's fucking weird. But do it. It's important. Support the things you love. If you love this show, you're still listening. You've made it this far. So do that. Um, thanks again to NSCLiveTV.com and all of the sponsors and affiliates that it brings to this here show to help continue to grow it. Um, keep your ass wiped because uh, apparently that's important right now. Read responsibly. There's plenty of time to do it. Cheers, fuckers.